0: It's a bit weird to have a fire going in the background, isn't it? It's the middle of summer, no one wants a fire going unless it's at a beach with a nice cold drink and the sun going down across the water. Anyone done that over summer? Man, you guys need to live a little. Come on. (laughs) You actually need to live a little. Come on. Uh, It's good to be back with you. Um, What was that? What was that, John? (laughs) A fire ban. fire ban. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a fire at the beach. No. (laughs) Neither did you, Marshall. No, you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> um, we were down at the beach yesterday for a phase event, and I saw a whole bunch of coals in the, in the sand. I thought, someone's breaking the law here. So I didn't. Um, anyway, it's great to be with you, and I'm excited for the year that's ahead um, the team and I have been uh, working on what we're going to be doing over these uh, coming months, and we've got some great series planned ahead for us. Uh, we're going to be going into the Book of Isaiah. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at um, Rembrandt and some of his biblical paintings that he um, that he produced. He, he produced over nine hundred of those. Uh, we've got some great contributors coming up, so we've got an exciting few months ahead. So uh, stick in with us. So, but tonight, tonight, I'm excited about this first series because. This first series is something about engaging with who we are as a church, who we are as individuals, and it's about our relationship with Christ. Um, I firmly believe that you can never be reminded enough of your worth and your identity in Christ, Amy. And it's it's from that place that we actually draw um, our strength and our understanding to go forward. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 20 talks about Jesus being the cornerstone. And they used to place this cornerstone right in the middle. That's the first thing that they did. And it used to be the size of like a, um, a train cart. It was huge. I don't know how they moved it around, but they always used to put that rock in first. Why? Because the whole building took shape off that rock. All right. And so for us, um, working on who Christ is, Uh, Our worth and our sense of identity in Him always gives us our bearing, our our place to start from. And so this series is focused on a few of those things. Um, And we're going to be looking at four things in this series over four weeks. The first is, tonight I'm invited. Um, It sounds like a a kind of a, a strange concept, but for us to know that we were called into God's kingdom that we were invited in and that God came to us and drew us in is one of the most important things for us to grasp and live from okay it's one of those cornerstones for us okay to live into this understanding that God invited us and then in week 2 we're going to talk about what does it mean to be invaluable you know, God has created each one of us with gifts uh, for his glory. Uh, He's He's infused every single one of us. There's no person in this room that is the same. And for us to understand that God has done that and He's done it on purpose for His church to come together and do amazing things for God's work, it's important for us to start there as well. Uh, but it's also important for us to know that because of those things, we are influential. I'm influential. We're going to hear Bernie on this particular topic. He's going to be bringing that in. Uh, God has uh, invited us in. He's invested in us and he's created us who we are so that his kingdom may grow, so that we may be able to make him known. And then lastly, I'm invested. We're going to get Monica. Man, she smashed it this morning. If you didn't see this morning sermon. Monica was so good. She's going to be bringing us uh, this, uh, this particular sermon on being invested into the life of the church. That's what God's called us into. So you have got an exciting four weeks coming up and it's all about being in. Uh, I hope this name uh, inspires the goal in some ways. Count us in, Lord. I'm in. Who's in? Anyone in? Good. Yeah, I see a few hands. Hopefully by the end we have all the hands going. Yes, I'm in. So identities in Christ. One of the, one of the um, important um, leadership um, truths that I, I really love uh, to uh, share and to encourage people in is the area of self-awareness. For me, a very self-aware leader is someone who is generally quite secure in who they are. They're able to operate from those things. Self-awareness extends into our faith life. Okay, Who we are in Christ is important to us. And when we're aware of that, things go differently. And so the self-knowledge, the self-awareness is where we're going with this series. But as we step into this tonight, I'd like to pray. So let me pray. Uh, Lord, we're just so grateful to be able to gather as your community here in this place. Father, we know that you are present by your Spirit, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal truth. Lord, uh, take whatever words this man shares, and Lord, make them what you want to make them, Lord, uh, so that hearts are turned towards you, so that truth is known. And Lord, lives are transformed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So tonight we're looking at this crucial, crucial truth that we are invited. I'm invited into the family of God. It's a core theme that that goes throughout the Gospels, and you will see that Jesus going into these places and welcoming the strangers, the different, and and he's always he's always challenging the, the Pharisees or the different people um, who who push back, who know the law and know everything about what the spiritual things are about. Now they, they, they are always pushed back against it, and Jesus is constantly going into these places. But he's inviting us into a number of things. He says, you're invited, I'm invited into a relationship with Jesus. It's something unique about Christian faith is our identity as followers of Christ, but being invited by him into that relationship. We're invited into community with his people. You people here are part of that community. And actually, without you here and without you interacting with one another, we don't have the church. In fact, we are much poorer for it if you are not connecting together. This is really important. We're going to get a hold of this. We're invited into his mission, uh, into the purpose, his purposes for this world. He's called us to take those unique giftings that call on our lives and apply it to his world, to the people he Loves and we're invited to play a part in his kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, um, but you know, I'm an extrovert, as you can tell, and uh, not all preachers are extroverts, just put that out there. Um, but the thing for me is, I hate missing out on stuff. Who hates missing out on stuff? Yep, see the extroverted hands in the room. Uh, I hate working out and I'll be standing over here and I see something going on over there and I'll be completely distracted by that thing that's going on over there because I want to be over there. Because that's where the action is, right? Um, There's a few of us, even introverts can be FOMOs, we like to call them, fear of missing out, who knows that term, yep. Uh, We're all a little bit FOMO in some ways, okay? Um, Now, I've been uh, scrolling, as you do, on social media. And uh, Instagram, and then I, I went on to Facebook. It was about uh, six, eight months. No, it was more than that. It was last year, the year before. I keep saying last year, and we're in the new year. 2018. I was in Auckland, um, and I was scrolling, and, and I just started seeing these pictures from one of my cousins. I saw these pictures. I was like, wow. There's my brother. There's my mum. There's, there's some of my aunties and my uncles. Uh, wow, all my cousins were there. ouch. I live in the same city. You guys had a gathering and you didn't invite me? I mean, how many of you done that? Anyone felt that? Yeah? It's not just, hey, everyone at Summer was out having a good time and I wasn't invited. This was family. I was like, oh, that burns. Um, Now, I know that part of that is that I'm, I'm come from a Christian background, and I don't come from a christian background and and uh, sometimes it's a bit awkward having the Christian there because I don't know why. Um, <laughs> you'd have to ask them, uh, but obviously I wasn't invited to this thing uh, that was That was really hard. Um, and then just a, a week or so ago i I heard that you know there was this gathering of, uh, of young people and and then there, this person who was invited. Got uninvited. Mm. Any of you had that? That is hard. It's really hard. I mean, my heart sinks. I feel gutted for that person because I've been, I've been that person, not just by my family, but by my friends. It's a tough thing to have to deal with. And it goes even more insidious than this. Uh, I remember I was um, <clears throat> leading worship like the guys here this evening, and I just said Dan, great job to the worship team, flipping awesome tonight. Um, <clears throat> I was worship leading up here, and I saw someone come in from the back. And, you know, I'm worship leading, and I'm like, oh, cool, so other people. This person stood out. Why? Because this person was what the Polynesians like to call whawhawhinge, which is a uh, uh, male dressing as a female, transitioning uh, as a female. And I was like, man, I'm so excited. Our church, our church is welcoming enough for this person to walk in through those doors, to risk so much to walk in and be among us. For them to... Uh, to sit with that awkward moment of looking around, um, you know, the Polynesian people are very tall people, and, and this lady stood out, okay? They stood out. I mean, I saw them from the stage and I thought, wow, this is great. Now, <laughs> I'd love to say um, that my church was super welcoming as a community. Um, I, was, I was playing and I was like, they're gonna sit down. I'm looking around like desperate, like, where are my pastoral carers? Where, where are my people? I was the senior pastor of this church. And uh, I was just going, oh, no. <laughs> Some, someone go and say hello. Someone go and meet this person. They risked everything to be here. And What did I see? What did I see? I saw people, you know, they were worship, worshiping and then like that, that face, like, wow, look at, look at that. I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that face. You know, about 10 different people made that face. And I was just bummed. I was bummed as a pastor. Why? Because I wanted my people to turn with the eyes of Jesus towards someone who risked everything to walk into that place. It may have been the first and only time that person would ever walk into a church. And I was almost almost in tears as I saw that person look around, receive the stares and the glares, and then promptly leave. She did exactly what I would have done, what you probably would have done as well. You would have got up, you would have felt those stares, you would have sat there for a little while hoping for something more, but then you realised all your worst fears were confirmed and you're up and you walked out. It was pretty hard. God's people through a simple look and a lack of encouragement made someone feel uninvited. And that very person in Jesus' eyes would have been welcomed very differently. So if you've ever felt ashamed, if you've ever felt unworthy, if you've ever felt unwanted, and especially if you've ever felt uninvited in the life of a church, I want you to hear one of the greatest truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is that Jesus invites the people others reject. You are welcome. Welcome. You know, we, we all have things in our mind that don't play up to what we think we should be or what we think other people think we should be, right? You know, do we dress right? Do we feel right? Are we, do we say the right words? Jesus invites the people others reject. Throughout Scripture, there's these beautiful stories of Jesus going in and receiving people. Yes, he's giving a few Pharisees a backhand on the way through, but Jesus is welcoming. He's inviting them in. Jesus invites those that religion despises, the others that are overlooked, those that feel that they're not good enough. Jesus goes to them personally and says, come, come, be a part of who I am. You're invited into the family of God because Jesus invites the people others reject. And there's a brilliant story in Luke's gospel, in chapter 7, which I want us to take a look at tonight. But before we go there, I've got to give you some context. Uh, Luke 7's story is of the woman that comes and anoints Jesus' feet with the alabaster jar of perfume. Now, you know, this is, this is a, a story that context helps make sense of because it, it just grates with everything in us in a lot of ways. So 2,000 years ago, we've got Jesus walking around. People think he's a crazy man. Some believe in him, some don't. Okay, We're in the midst of this. We we know Jesus because of history, because of what Scripture tells us. We understand who he is. And they didn't. They just saw him as some other rabbi, some other prophet that's walking around. But he was doing these things, and people were being drawn into him. They're being drawn into these acts, these understanding of who he was. And almost everyone thought, if Jesus was indeed God in the flesh, then certainly he would be in favour with these Pharisees uh, that are in the story, because the Pharisees were the most outwardly devout. They were those that didn't get anything wrong. They wore the right gear, they presented in the right way. They were known as the ones with the most wisdom in the village or in the place wherever they went. People would gather around them, and they would, you know, spiel off all this yarns that, you know, people didn't quite. Comprehend or understand. They would, you know, they'd be eloquent. They would elaborate on things that others wouldn't. They'd have these amazing cleansing ceremonies. They were just like the holiest of holy people, you know. And people would just, you know, hold them up in this high esteem. Surely, if Jesus were God, he would be for the Pharisees, right? He would be among them. I mean, these ones that held these 613 laws meticulously and made everyone else hold them meticulously. Now just look at that list again. They were eloquent, eloquent. They had elaborate clothing. They hung with the right people. They said the right things. They had all the right stuff. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? We kind of think that that group that have all of those things and do all of those things, well, that must be the group to be a part of. It's something that is in our human nature, our fallen human nature. You see, that, that apple hasn't fallen far from the tree in 2,000 years, has it? Anyway, back to the context. One day, this Pharisee called Simon, he invites all of the, the Pharisees in the area, he throws a party at his house. Now, it's not the kind of party that we would have today. They wouldn't be roasting no pork sausages on the, on the Weber, all right? There'd be no Borivos on there. There'd be no Filet Mignon on there, Weber. They wouldn't be jamming the latest Jewish version of Lauren Daigle, you know. What would her name be? Bathsheba Babette or something, I don't know. You know, wouldn't be jamming those tunes on the lute in the back. Um, It's the kind of gathering uh, where people came to listen. And they'd have this house, and, and the central part of the house would be where they lived, and it was the private part. But out in the front would be like a veranda, this open area. And the the you know the Pharisees would recline. It always says they reclined. I don't want reclines anywhere, but anyway, they would recline. I always think they're just lying down. But uh, they would eat, and they would recline, and then they'd wax eloquent about theological things. So teriology, eschatology, you can look those up. A little bit later, even I don't know what they. Are. If you can spell them, you'll be able to Google them. That's good. Um, work that out. Anyway, this is the kind of thing they would do. This is a public discussion. And anyway, everyone would come. All of the village would come out, and they would watch this discussion go on. And that it was like it was like the entertainment for the night. I mean, I think to myself, why would people come and listen to that? I mean, they would, you know quite obvious. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't get to binge watch, you know, Married at First Sight, Jerusalem. Um, There was none of that sort of stuff going on. This was the entertainment. Oh, that Married at First Sight thing. Good grief. This was the big show, you know. There was a, a few big gun Pharisees spinning yarns, taking each other down. Oh, did he say that? Oh, dang, he just took him down. You know, it was like, it was like that going on, you know, and they're all sitting outside and all these people like, what did he just say? What was that word he used? I don't know, but he took him down. You know, it was, it was that kind of environment. That's I'm putting myself in the picture. It's probably not what happened, but just making it. Anyway, I was in Papua New Guinea a couple of years ago and I was leading a worship, um, leading conference and these, seriously, these 200 people came to this conference from out of the bush, I'm serious. Like they, there was one guy that walked for five days to get to this conference. I think he was the one that, on the third day, we had a bit of a worship jam, and we were in this station. It was a big village, and 200 guys in there. And all of a sudden, they start worship, and this guy's he's bringing the heat, you know, woo, up and down the aisle, and and it just starts going off. And Papua <laughs> New aren't known for their great singing ability or their music musicality, uh, but it was it was intense. It was loud, you know. Too, they're going for it. Um, they've got the song, Jesus is our winner man, a winner man all the time. Right, it's like simple. I love it. You know, it's going off, you know, people raising hands, doing a bit of a Ben Thompson and um, they're going crazy. <laughs> Had to just point them out. Uh, anyway, the whole village. Now this whole village, we're Christian, right? The whole village comes out. They're standing around. They're just looking, and you know, there's no walls. There's just poles and thatch roof. Um, they just want to know what's going on. Something's going down, so they all come out, and they want to hear what's going down. This is the kind of image I see when the Pharisees turn up in town. And what happened is that Jesus got invited to this party, and it was the most shocking thing that these pious Pharisees had ever experienced when a woman of the night. Walked into their party. You get the whole village around, but this woman walked into their party. And it says this in Luke 7, verse 37 to 39 A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, that's code for the town prostitute, a woman there in that town who had lived there in a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came. And there was her alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had uh, invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. Wow. I would bet my life on the fact that she never dreamed of growing up to be a prostitute. Never once. I can guarantee you that when she was 11 or 12 and they went to a slumber party. They may have done that back in Jerusalem. Uh, and they were hanging out and, and all the other girls were saying, "Oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, da, da, da. and one says, I want to be a lawyer and I want to be this. And I, I bet she didn't say, you know what? I want to be a prostitute. I want to be a, a woman of the night. I want to have my own pimp. I want to live that life. I can guarantee you that that was not what she said. She would never say that. This is not a profitable career in a small town and bigger towns they were, but even if it was profitable to some degree, it was shameful, it was dark, it was degrading. And so if that's not what she wanted, how did she end up there? You see, one of the things I really want us to grasp is that we've got to see the person behind what's being presented. The person that Jesus sees grab hold of that life that Jesus knows is in there. She probably got there in the thousands of ways that girls do today. Uh, she's more than likely from an impoverished family, struggling to survive on mega money uh, that they make within their society. Uh, she's possibly a mother or has a mother or an older sibling already in this, selling themselves to, to get food, um, its scarcity drives them to do desperate things. Maybe she's addicted to drugs, not because of her own habit, but because it was one that was transmitted to her in the, room, in the womb by her mother's use. Maybe. Maybe she was sold. Maybe she was traded. Maybe she was orphaned at a young age. Maybe her father. <laughs> I'm a father of two girls. Maybe her father didn't protect her. Maybe he abused her. And maybe she got pregnant young or she was just unemployed. You see, all of these scenarios that I'm I'm putting out there are, are scenarios that are very familiar to us. And maybe tonight you don't feel worthy for whatever reason of God's attention, of the fact that you are invited to be a part of his family. You see, I've met 18 beautiful souls with stories like all of those that I've just explained, sold, traded, given away, abused. Uh, Their freedom is being realized through honest, dignifying employment. Their spiritual realization, their, their empowerment is coming through God's people who understand what it means to be invited and want to invite others on that journey. A few years ago, I got to dedicate one of my youth group girls' Who was fifteen? Uh, she walked into youth group. I was about to do get up and do something. She walked in with a little uh, baby bucket. I call it, and I just thought, "Oh my gosh, you've had your baby." I heard that you were you were pregnant, and and she felt safe to come back to youth group. You know, there was about forty kids there, and and I just thought, um, "I'm going to throw away that thing I was going to do tonight." <laughs> I'm going to ask her if she'll allow me to bring that baby up and ask her a few questions because, you know, she had had a, had a hard journey um, and it was quite a beautiful moment where I got to, um, to pray for her and for the baby. You see, she came from a lot of those sort of backgrounds that I talked about and she struggled with so many things. In fact, you know, she's now got a third baby in her life and when she, had her, she was pregnant with her second baby, she invited me around to pray for her again. She felt safe for me to come and pray and to try and give her advice. And this guy had, had beaten up on her. She had black eye and he found out that she was pregnant and he was just using her for sex. And, you know, he tried to beat her up and make her have an abortion. And she has three kids now. For me, I was, it made me angry. Um, I wanted to find who that was. The father and me just wanted to care for her, to love her. And see those eyes that I had for her, the same eyes that Jesus has for this woman who comes to his feet. It comes to, to to bless him. She sees more about who he is. She she cuts quickly to his feet in the midst of stares and anger. Who are you? What, what are you doing in here? Get out of here, you filth. That's what would have been seen. But she knows that she'd be welcome. She knows. Maybe she was there when when Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary. Come to me all you who are burdened and I will give you rest. Maybe she was there when he was sharing that from Matthew 11. See, some of us in this room or watching online may sense some of the same emotions, wondering how you ended up where you are tonight. You know, maybe you're divorced. Maybe you don't have contact with your kids. Maybe your addictions have separated you from family or friends. Maybe you're facing financial hardships. Whatever your story is, maybe you just wandered away from God over summer. He wants you to know that you're invited back. Every time that you walk that way, he's beckoning you back. Come, come. You are invited. You are invited in again. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what brokenness you're carrying. You can come to Jesus. And when we become aware of that, when we allow that to wash over us, the, the, the truth and the, I guess the security of that truth that God welcomes us, it transforms us. An image for me which really makes sense of this was one from 2013, uh, this is Jorge, or Pope Francis, as you know. Um, and in 2013, he did a walk. Well, he was going through the Pope Mobile, and uh, he was in St. Peter's, and a whole bunch of all sorts of people were there, and there were disabled people, and there were was just people. Every hundreds of thousands. I don't know if you've ever been to Rome, but you'll understand what I mean. And uh, he sees this guy, and he just says, I'm getting out of this. I need to go and be with people. And he goes, and he grabs a hold of him, and he starts praying for him. And then he kisses him. And the news went crazy about this. You know, it was in all sorts of papers and all sorts of things, and I just thought, hallelujah, we have a pope who's being a pope, (laughs) who's being Jesus' hands and feet, who's showing us the example of what he wants us to do every day, not just with those that have got leprosy or disfigurement, but every single person, including them. Invite them. Call them in. Let them be a part of his kingdom. It goes on, this passage, and it says he turns towards Simon And he says these words, do you see this woman? I love it. Verse 44, do you see this woman? He's not saying, do you see her physical shape? Of course, he saw the prostitute. He was probably one of the ones that was staring at her. Oh, what's she in here? Oh, this is breaking the party. He's saying, do you see her? Behind the things that you're projecting upon her, you don't know her world. You don't know her life. Do you know her? Do you see her? Simon doesn't. He gives him an example. He says, "You know there's this person who owes 50 and this person who owes hundred and, and, and who, who's, who's feeling more loved when that debt is forgiven? It's the person who owes the greatest amount. I' finish with a story from Luke 14, where Jesus invited guests and he puts this invitation out he says you're invited you're invited come and you know some people say oh well I'm too busy I've got too many things on I've got I've got a wedding I've got to prepare for uh, I've got to go and purchase this thing oh, I'm just too tired I had a big weekend you know I'll just I'll just leave it and so the story goes that he says well go out and find other people go and find anyone who will respond Because they're invited. They're invited to be a part of this kingdom, to be my people, invited into relationship with me. The story is about us, his church, you and I. You are invited. Will you stand with me and say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm invited. Yes, Lord, I believe it. Because when you do, life changes. Life changes like you wouldn't believe. I invite the band to come. Um, maybe tonight you, you, know, you feel that um, God's probably just put something on your heart. If you want, we've got a team here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to stand with you and pray. Maybe, maybe tonight you're hearing a, a message for the first time that, that Jesus has invited you into his kingdom. And you need to respond and you feel that. There's a bunch of us that would love to stand with you after and pray and to lead you in that. Uh, We we as a church believe in bringing the gospel message and, and, and bringing it with all truth. And we want to invite you to come and to hear that and to be embraced, to know that you are invited into God's kingdom and that you can be a part of this place. That is the very foundation of why we exist, is to help people know Christ and walk with Him. So tonight, would you stand with me as I pray? Lord, I'm humbled by your grace and your love for me, who as a 14-year-old walked into an old carpet factory where some people were having church, and your spirit spoke, and Lord, you enlivened in me the truth about being one of your chosen children. And Lord even though I was there to, you know, there were some girls there or something. Lord, you you spoke to me in the middle of that. Those 10 or 12 friends that were all sitting there half cut and Lord, you reached out and you spoke. And Lord, maybe there's someone watching online, maybe there's someone in this room, but Father, I want to pray that you would you would cut through the the presenting factors. And speak to the person that's behind, the person that you love, the person that you created, that you know every hair on their head, Lord. Let them know tonight that they are welcome. Doesn't matter where they've been, doesn't matter what's gone on for them, they're always welcome in your family. And tonight, Lord, we are that family who want to embrace. I pray that you would go and do that only thing that you can do, Lord, by your Spirit. Nothing that we can do, Lord, but only you. Speak to hearts, reassure, bring peace, and bring life. You're an amazing God, and we worship you tonight. Be the center of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.